Today is a special day at Northside. We do this day every couple of years. It's a little challenging from a preaching perspective to know what the right way to handle the regular occurrences is. Because on one hand, you, you say, well, I've already preached this, I already talked about this, we've already, we already understand. Uh, if you're a long-time Northsider, or certainly a long-time Church of Christ, you might uh, understand what this is all about. But, but it, it's a little different from church to church, a little bit different depending on where you've been. And so what we're going to talk about today is something that's a part of family. It's kind of family business, as you might say. But it's important, and there's a couple of reasons that it's important for us to learn and to think about. So I want to encourage you not to check out just because, oh, I've, I've kind of heard this before, but engage and really think about why it is that God set things up the way that he did in his church. Uh, we're talking today uh, in our uh, theme for the year has been one another, and Acts 2, verses 44 through 47, describes a church that's one another. And if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Acts 2, 44 through 47. And now you may not know where Acts 2, 44 through 47 is, so if you don't, you want to turn to the, get a pew Bible and turn to page 1,168. There, Luke is giving us his account to Theophilus of the growth and the expansion and the mission of the church, and he describes the church in this way, Acts 2, 44 is where we're beginning, page 1,168 in the Pew Bible. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. This is, a, this is a picture of a good church. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Some people are on the inevitable pursuit of a perfect church. And I'll just, spoiler alert, no such thing. Even in Acts, which is the, the, the description of the first church, we see a church that still had issues and problems because it had people, and people come with sin, and sin always bring, brings problems. But if we could get a picture of a good church, Acts 2, 44 through 47 is it. But even in the midst of this good church, we see that the church had a problem. Now, Acts 2, 44 through 47 says everything was going great. People were together, uh, they're, they're, they're sharing, they're blessing one another, they're being together. I mean, that, this is as good as good as good church can get. And yet, just a few chapters later, we see that there is a problem. And the problem is found in Acts chapter 6. So I'll encourage you to turn just a few chapters over because... This reminds us that even, even a good church is going to have problems. And so you, you never escape the problems, but what you do is seek leaders who handle the problems in the right way. So Acts chapter 6 is where, where we are, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 6. It's going to be, hopefully it's in front of you, but it's also going to be on the screen. 
And I'm going to read part of it, and I'm going to ask you to read part of it in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read the white words, and I want you to read the yellow words so we can kind of do this together, okay? Acts chapter 6, 1 and 2. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because... In the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said. Okay. So the problem is this. That the widows were being neglected. We know that the widows were to be cared for and taken care of. And it was this particular group of widows called the Hellenists. And uh, we'll get into, if you want a little more in-depth study on this subject, come back tonight. We're going to do a deeper dive in Acts chapter 6. But just the principle is this. There is a problem, and we need to deal with the problem in the right way. Now, there's a couple of possible solutions to this problem that are not good solutions. Number one, bad, bad solution number one, they could keep neglecting the widows. And that is an option. You can let a problem continue to exist, but it probably wouldn't do much good in this young church. Uh, one option is that the apostles could neglect the mission that Jesus had sent them on and begin serving tables and attending to the needs of these neglected widows. But that's a problem, too, because they are violating what Jesus commanded them to do. Uh, they're neglecting... Something else, the preaching of the word, the ministry of the word and prayer. So these are a couple of bad solutions to a bad problem. The good news is, is that God has a plan. Okay, that's the second part of this. Acts chapter 6, 3 through 5. Now this will not be on the screen, but if you're following along in your Bible, uh, you can follow along as I read. Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, here's the plan. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased them. They chose, uh, pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnamus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So these seven men are chosen, and they're given a work. So we see the results in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. The apostles wisely say, this is not good for us to focus on this, because if we focus on this, then we neglect that. But at the same time, we don't want to neglect the widows. So choose from among you. Seven good, seven good men uh, who are of good reputation, full of the Spirit, wise, and so they choose these seven men. And in choosing and following this plan, the seven widows are served, and the word, the ministry of word and prayer, are, is continuing. In other words, the main thing stays the main thing. Now, if we look at the, the result of this plan, because you can always tell the, the, how good the plan is by looking at the fruit of it. And the, the word tells us what the fruit of this plan was, verses 6 and 7. 
Therefore, and I'll ask you to, again, read the words in yellow. Acts 6, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, they said before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. This is the result. The word continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. All right, so we see a good plan with good fruit that it's happening. And three things that I can tell from the things that you read. Number one, the word of God spread and the word of God continued to increase. And the church was already growing, but it continued to increase all the more because the apostles kept the main thing, the main thing. Second, the number of disciples grew, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. So that's good. And third is many of the priests, many obeyed Jesus, many became obedient to the faith. So three good results from one good plan that resulted from one problem. So all of that to say is, in the church, you're going to have problems. You might say you, you have obstacles, but in every obstacle, there's an opportunity. God can take obstacles and create opportunities out of them for you and for the church. That's a good thing. The early church had a problem, but God silenced his cell phone. And then... He developed a plan to overcome the obstacle so the church could grow. Now we think, well, that's, that's a good story in the book of Acts, but we've had about 2,000 years since then. How could that possibly apply to us? Well, we're going to think about now the church of today. The Bible has a prescription for a way in which the church can handle things, can handle Problems, obstacles, challenges, things that need oversight, things that need management. And they can do that and still help the church focus on the word and prayer. Uh, Problems are going to change within the church. The the type of problems. Um, The apostles never had to wrestle with should we live stream our services or not, right? That wasn't something that they wrestled around. Peter's saying, we, we really ought to do this. And Thomas is over there saying, I doubt it'll work. You know? They didn't wrestle, but they had different types of problems. But the, in principle, there are always little things that can take our focus off the big things. Okay? And so when these things happen, whatever they are, whatever form they take, God has a prescription. To get the right people doing the right things so that the church continue to grow and to prosper. Now, Acts chapter 6 is not an exact replica of what we're talking about this morning, but some principles to help us think about it. The the right people, scripturally speaking, are what we call deacons. Now, deacons, the word in the original language, is a transliterated word. It's diakonos, and the word simply means a servant. And the Bible has a prescription for how the church can bring people, men who serve in different ways, and you're looking for a certain quality of man to serve. Okay, And this job description, if you will... The qualities of the man, men that we're looking for is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. So you want to turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Because we need to understand 
that for a lot of different reasons, a deacon can't just be anyone. A deacon needs to be a certain quality of person. And it's because of the nature of their work. And so 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, gives us a description of these men. So I'm going to read them, and then we'll break it down just a little bit. Deacons, verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not, double, not double-tongued, nor addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them be also tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11. Their, li- their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, not so, uh, but, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So if we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, 8 through 13, we get these different qualities of a person. Uh, it has to do not with their personality, not with their skill set, but the qualities and the spiritual maturity of that person. There's positive qualities. If you look through the scripture, there's the, the, what I call the positive ones. He's got to be dignified and sober-minded. He needs to be respectable and serious as a Christian. Uh, he needs to be tested and blameless. Now, this does not mean perfect. There's no such thing as perfect deacons. This is not like there's not anything as perfect churches or perfect elders or perfect preachers. But what this means is this doesn't need to be a rookie. This needs to be someone who has experience in serving. Someone who has a good reputation. Uh, third, this person, this man needs to be a family leader. A lot of leadership qualities of a man can be seen in his family. And we, can, we know that's true, so we can look at his family and see, is he the leader of his household? Does he serve his wife and his children well? Does he draw them closer to the Lord? Is he a good example? Fourth, uh, the, the person, the deacon, must be responsible and reliable. Not a person you have to micromanage. Not a person you have to babysit. You ask him to take care of this as they announce the seven men. I think they said, hey, we've got these widows. They're being neglected. We'd like you to handle this. And they do. And they didn't have to go and check up on them. They didn't have to ask them. They didn't have to walk behind them and say, do this or do that. They were responsible and reliable. And they, they need to be men who had respectable wives because they're put in positions that are sensitive. They need to be married to someone who's not uh, going to be slandering or disrespectful or bring any shame to her husband. So uh, those are the positive ones. The negative one says the deacon should not be double-tongued. Uh, again, they're going to be handling sometimes privileged and sensitive information, information about people and souls. So they have to be someone who's trustworthy with their mouth uh, and who always says, speaks consistently. 
They need to be not addicted to much wine, the scripture says. They need to have self-control. And finally, not greedy for dishonest gain. Somebody who's going to handle finances and money needs to be trustworthy with those things. Now, that's a lot of description for a volunteer position. Why, why on earth would the scripture, why would the Holy Spirit give us such deep instruction on a volunteer position, a volunteer role? Well, in my view, at a couple of reasons. Number one, the wrong man or, or the wrong wife of a man in such a position can do great harm to the church. And so churches should be thoughtful and serious and Think about what the scripture says. It will serve us well. Uh, Second, I think the right man will make our elders work a joy and not a burden. That the right man allows our elders, our shepherds, to keep the main thing the main thing. They can focus on setting the vision. They can focus on the word. They can focus on praying with people. And they can focus on doing the things that only shepherds can do. Well, today, as we think about our deacons at Northside, we know that the Bible gives us a lot of direction on what qualities of men to seek. We've seen that from the Scripture, from the Word. But the Bible doesn't give us a lot of direction. Well, the Bible doesn't give us any direction on how to go about selecting and appointing these deacons. So at Northside, our elders have kind of worked out a system, and it seems to work pretty well for us. And here's how it goes if you're, if you're new to Northside. We, we select men, we look at the scriptural qualities that we're looking for, and we select men that line up to those qualities. We ask them if they're willing to serve. And if they agree to serve, they agree to serve for a period of two years. At the end of those two years... Uh, both sides, both the deacon appointed as well as the elders, will reevaluate to see, one, is, is this area of service still needed? Is it necessary? And also for the deacon to evaluate where he, he is in life and if he would like to continue. That system works pretty well for us at Northside. and served us well for a long time. And it allows uh, the realities of life and deacons to come and to go, and, and there's no worry about why is this person stepping down? What's the issue? What's the big deal? It's not always a big deal. Sometimes life changes. Sometimes the needs here at Northside will change. So we do this every couple of years. We've come back in 2024. We'll be doing the same thing because the church continues to grow and to prosper. Uh, we currently have uh, nine men who have agreed to serve for another two years as deacon. So this morning we're going to announce those men and, uh, and what area they serve in, and then we'll ask them as we announce your name to please stand. Men will ask you and your wife to stand, and then we'll ask the men to please come and be seated here on the, on the front row. And we've got some who are deacons but who are not going to be here uh, this morning, so just a, a word for that. Uh, the first is Bob Arrow. He's agreed to serve as deacon over facility management. Uh, he and his wife, Rhonda, uh, uh, are long-standing Northsiders, and Bob does a, a good job. Uh, he is not here today, so uh, you won't see him, but Bob handles a lot of things happening in the facility here. Next up is Jeff 
Garrison and his wife Margaret. Where are Jeff and Margaret this morning? Here's Jeff. Jeff is our deacon over small groups and has helped organizing that and making sure that the small groups have all of the resources that they need. So we appreciate you serving. Jeff, come on up. Uh, next up is Joe and Carol Holmes. Uh, Joe, okay. Um, Joe handles a small accounts payable ministry, and uh, basically it's kind of associated with our finance ministry, but he handles uh, all of the, the checks that need to be written. So Joe's a very popular guy. Come on forward, Joe. I appreciate, appreciate the good work that you do. <laughs> Lots of people saying, ah, I need to, need to find Joe after service. Next up is Drew Lowry and... Uh, his wife, Ruth. Uh, Drew has been handling our uh, Wichita Work Camp ministry, and he's been doing a great job with that. Uh, this is a, a lot of work. It's a big position, and uh, it requires a lot of organization of adults and teenagers and volunteers and all of that. So appreciate your being willingness to serve in that. Drew, come on up. Next up is Sean Litton and his wife, Sandy. Uh, Sean uh, serves the Know Your Bible Accounting uh, handles all of the uh, keeping track of all of the donations, everything that needs to happen for the Know Your Bible ministry. Sean's been doing that for a while and always does a good job with that, so I appreciate your service. Sean, come on up. Next up is James and Julie Pierman. Uh, James handles the Northside Watchers, is our security team. And he uh, basically helps to make sure all of us are safe and secure every time we meet here, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, He's got a volunteer team of people that really do a good job keeping us safe and secure. And he's always thinking about how to keep keeping us secure in the world that we live in. Thank you, James. Come on up. Next up is Greg Sandlin and his wife, Cleta. And Greg's been serving in our finance ministry. Uh, Greg uh, handles a lot of the accounting and things that need to happen when your donations happen, however they happen. Uh, eventually, Greg puts them uh, in, a, in a report somewhere. So uh, we appreciate that. It's a very big job, and we appreciate the faithfulness that he's been with that ministry for many years now. So, Greg, thank you, and please come on up. Next up uh, is Tony Weber. And I'm sorry, Tony is not here this morning. Uh, next up is Mike Yulman and uh, his wife, Stacy. Uh, Mike, where are you? Nope, maybe not here today as well. Okay. Um, so Mike handles benevolence ministry, uh, and that is no small task. With a lot of people with lots of different needs, and uh, he helps run that ministry and does a great job with it. Um, then we also have uh, Tony Weber, and I don't think, yeah, okay, sorry, some of my notes changed off the slides here, so, uh, but Tony handles the greeting ministry. Uh, when you come to Northside, you are greeted by someone, uh, hopefully one in one door or the other, and so Tony handles all of that, putting people in the right places to greet you with a friendly smile, help you find your class, and all of that good uh, that needs to happen, so appreciate Tony uh, and the work that he does. So those are all of our uh, current deacons uh, that have agreed to serve for another two years. Uh, this year we have two deacons that have decided to step down. 
just because of life circumstances and situations. Uh, Tim Cachero uh, and his wife Stephanie, they're not going to be here today, but uh, Tim uh, has been handling the ushers ministry. Uh, which is basically helping bring people in as they come to be seated, helping find a spot, make space, and uh, make sure everybody can sit, be seated here, especially on Sunday morning. So Tim's been serving in that role for 10 years, and we appreciate, I don't know if he's watching online or not, but Tim, we appreciate your faithful service to that ministry for the past 10 years to our Northside family. Um, and then Jesse Neisler. Uh, has been heading up landscaping, the Ministry of Landscaping, which is a, uh, you know, every time you drive by this building and you see how good it looks, uh, that's in large part to Jesse and the volunteer team that he's managed for the last four years. So, Jesse, we appreciate your willingness to manage that and lead that for the past four years. You've done a great job, and we appreciate it very much. Uh, We commend both of you for your excellent work and making Northside the best that it can be. So we say to you, well done, good and faithful servants. This year we have asked, our elders have asked one other man to serve uh, in the role of deacon. And uh, and so we're going to appoint him this morning. He's agreed to step up and serve in his uh, service to Northside as a deacon will begin today. So it's my honor to introduce to you Paul and Stacy Harrington. Paul and Stacy uh, have been around Northside for a long time, um, and Paul's pretty much grown up here at Northside, I think it's fair to say. Um, we, Paul is a mobility solutions engineer for Converge One. Uh, you ask me what a mobility solutions engineer, and I say, you need to talk to Paul. Um, but it just tells you he's very smart, very competent, very qualified, and does a lot of good work. And uh, Paul and Stacey have been married for 18 years. Uh, Their four children are Titus, Solomon, Hannah, and Asher. So a great family at Northside, and we appreciate Paul being willing to uh, step up. And so as we uh, ask all of the... uh, As we tell you who all of the deacons are, we're going to ask Paul at this time to come up and stand on the second step here right in the middle. I have to think about this because we've got Deacon Paul and the Apostle Paul, and I'm referencing both. So this is Deacon Paul. Um, Paul, we charge you to live out the qualities that the Apostle Paul described in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, many of which those qualities you are living out right now. And we charge you to serve well. We charge you to be a good steward of the ministry of family camp. Uh, it's a very important priority for Northside. It's a big part of who we are and how we make a, a, a large congregation have a, a small church feel. So we appreciate that and know you'll do a good job with it. Uh, so we're going to ask our elders to pray over you. We're going to ask that all of our deacons come and stand with Paul on the second step. So you can stand up and stand with Paul here on the second step. And then we will ask all of our elders to come at this time. And you can come and stand on the top step. And one of our shepherds, Brother Brian Middleton, will now pray over all of our deacons. Brian? Maker of all we know and see, the author of life. 
We kneel to you because it is our reasonable service to the one who created us. Every Christian serves by definition, but deacons serve in a special way, in a specific way. We thank them. We thank their wives and their families for they sacrifice time from their physical family for their spiritual family here at Northside. We pray for them, pray for their families, pray for their areas of service. We have a special prayer now for Paul. Paul is very experienced in doing the work of God, even though he's new to the deaconship, serving God, seeing the hand of God in the world. And we pray for all our elders that they have wisdom and strength that comes from you. We pray for all of us, your church, as we all work together to seek and save the lost in the best way that we can, teaching your words and glorifying you. And pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may, all you men may have a seat. Thank you. Thank you to all of our current deacons. Thank you to Paul and his family. Thank you to our elders who continually to do the good work here at Northside. Uh, lots of which you know about, lots more of which you have no idea about. We thank uh, all the men who serve in this way. Uh, deacons, the role of a deacon is a servant. The role of a servant is to help solve a problem. Well, in thinking about this, that this morning, uh, you and I all have a problem, and the problem is sin. And that there's only one remedy for that eternal problem of sin, and that's the Savior Christ Jesus. This morning we're going to offer an invitation for anyone who is not in Christ, who has not followed the simple instructions of Jesus to believe and be baptized. If you are ready to take on uh, Christ, to put on Christ in baptism, we'd be honored to help you do that this morning. Uh, How you do that is very simple. We're going to sing a song, and during that next song, some of our shepherds are going to go to the back. And if you'd like to become a Christian today or like to learn more about how that works, we'd be glad to study the scriptures with you. Uh, Simply head to the back during this next song, meet with one of our shepherds, and they'll be glad to direct you in the next steps. If you have that need or if you have any other need where our shepherds can be praying for you, uh, please come now as together we stand and sing. You can head to the back.